Okay. Well, our recording has started, and it's Wednesday, which means we have a very long section of Tanya. Of course, yesterday we had a far longer section of Chumash, so we are not complaining at all, at all, at all. We are just going to be challenged to do such a long chapter so briefly, but we will do our best. So we are doing today the entire chapter 24, because as we said, it's Wednesday. What is chapter 24 talking about? So last, the last days, over the last days, we've discussed in chapter 23, the enormous closeness you can achieve with Hashem, becoming literally one through mitzvahs and, and so intently beyond that one through Tyra. We didn't say a word about Avmasataris. We didn't say a word about challenges and Mithras Nefesh. We spoke about the closeness. So now that we're all knowing how close and real our connection can be, now we have to realize the enormous danger if we lose it. And chapter 24 and 25 focus on that. They're focusing us on, you know, that danger feeling. Because if you're in danger, if you feel that your relationship to Hashem is endangered by your Avera, your Avera is going to come out. And you're going to feel such love for Hashem that all of the negativities will melt away, which is what we'd like. So we want to feel endangered in our relationship if we're challenged by an Avera. And the Rebbe now gives us many, many thoughts to think to flesh out this concept. So the Rebbe begins by explaining that exactly as we were discussing how enormously close we are, that's how enormously far we can get if we transgress on the will of Hashem in any way. Transgress by going against something in the Torah, going against something Midirabbanan. It's all equally against Hashem's will. It's the opposite of Hashem's will. It is Klippa. And we, at that moment, are so far from Hashem, there's nothing further. And there was spent a while discussing this concept of there's nothing further. What do you mean? I mean, there aren't worse things in this world than a sinning Jew. I mean, I don't know, Saddam Hussein? Like, come on, Bin Laden? Uh, we can think of a lot of things and people and movements that seem far worse than a Jew who's saying Lajanara. The says, no, you're wrong. Because everything else in the world is doing what Hashem tells it to do. Everything else has a certain mission and is following its mission. But the Jew, the Jew is given this amazing thing called free choice. And that amazing thing called free choice means we have the ability to go against the Ratzon of Hashem. Now, obviously, on a very deep level, we can never go against the Ratzon of Hashem because obviously every choice we make, Hashem is also making, and that's very true. But without going to that point, just to understand the basic concepts here, when you're going against Hashem's will, you're worse than anything else because nothing else goes against Hashem's will. When we're looking at Klippa, the Rebbe brings out two strong points. One, they don't have the ability. Klippa doesn't have the Bechira to choose to go against Hashem's will. Two, they wouldn't. So they can't, they couldn't, and they wouldn't. Why would Klippa not go against Hashem's will? Because Klippa recognizes godliness as its life source. As we learned in chapter 22, even if we are saying that Klippa views itself as currently separate from Hashem, but 
That doesn't mean it doesn't know it's coming from Hashem. It does. It's just currently viewing itself as separate, an independent agent. Underneath it all, it knows its life is from Hashem. We said it recognizes it's just not Mimali, because that's too close. So since Klippa recognizes Hashem as his life force, it would never rebel. Since Klippa isn't given Bichir Chavshis, it can't rebel. So what's the only force in all of creation that can rebel? A Jew. And therefore, when the Jew is sinning, the Jew is further from Hashem during the duration of the Avera than anything else possible. Of course, only for the duration of the Avera. The second the Avera is over, Hashem pulls you all the way back. But just as you could envision your child, if your child does something against you, it hurts you so, so much more than, I don't know if your student did something against you. This is your child. So if a Jew is going against Hashem, that's the worst pain in all of creation, including forces of Klippa, that their Messiah is to go against Hashem. That's what Hashem wants from them. And therefore, during the time of the Avera, you're further than anything. But as soon as the Avera is over, you get pulled right back in. Also understanding, the Rebbe says, that the evil in this world itself is the residue of all the klipas, meaning everything starts numaila above, including klipa. And at each level of creation, whatever klipa that spiritual world can, so to speak, relate to, meaning can have some type of connection to it that it can refine it, it does. So what falls down to the next plane? The lower junk that couldn't be refined. So what couldn't be reached by Atsila falls down to Bria. And what couldn't be reached by Bria falls down to Atsira. What couldn't be reached by Atsira falls down to Atsia. And what's left comes into our world. So our world is not just a physical world, not just a world of Klippa. It's the lowest of the low Klippas. And this world, the lowest of the low Klippas, is what we are worse than if a Jew would choose to go against the will of Hashem. Now, we see this concept in, in the Chumash when it speaks about a, uh, the sin of adultery. It speaks about the Isha Saita. It says, Kisiste Ishto. And on those words, if, you're, if his wife will turn astray, and on those words, Kisiste, Achachamim say, they pull out from that the root Shtus. Ein Adam Avera Ele now, the Rebbe learns from here a very strong Kalvachaymer in terms of our reality. The Rebbe says, look at the situation. Here we have a woman who is beguiled, seduced, convinced to commit this sin for which the penalty is death. Forget about being spiritual. I mean, on a physical level, it's not really worth it. And she's really being convinced and seduced by someone else to do an Avera to fulfill their taiva. So obviously this woman probably does not have a very strong... Um, conscience or a strong sense of self or a strong character to be so duped by someone else. And yet, even this woman is only doing this Avera because of a Roshdus. Meaning, if we understand that, it's a tremendous Kalvachimer for everyone else. I think I'm doing an Avera because I want it, I want it, I want it. I'm saying, no, you're only doing it because of a Roshdus. 
no, I, I, I'm not a Rostov. I, I'm very rationally understanding why this Avera is the best thing for me to do right now. I come say, no, you're only doing it because of Rostov. Let me prove it to you. This foolish woman, who is so much more foolish than you, who is so much more swayed, obviously not by reason than you, she is only doing because of a Rostov. So Kava Kleimer for you. Now, that was the first level of Kava Kleimer. Now we're going to take it a step further. Here we have this foolish, silly woman who was convinced to do Navera, for which, if she was caught, she would die. And you know what? She never committed Vayda Zara. That sounds crazy. Why not? Because if she was in a situation of Vayda Zara, her Avim Zeteras would come out, and she would feel such love for Hashem, she'd never do it. So the says, look at this situation. Here we have this woman who is convinced to do an Avera, for which the consequence is Misa, and she goes along with it because she doesn't feel the intensity of her relationship to Hashem. But even she, if her life was on the line, and they said to her, bow to this idol, or, or we're killing you, this foolish, weak woman would say, take my life. I, I, I can't do it. I can't deny the Abishter. So what's going on, the Rebbe says? You're willing to commit adultery and you, you, you can't deny the Abishter so you're, you're, you're dying for Hashem? Yes, because in that situation, automatically, her love for Hashem comes out. And when that love for Hashem comes out, nothing else is real. So when she's being convinced to commit adultery, she's not in tune with her relationship to Hashem. She doesn't feel that at all. But when she's in tune with her relationship, because the danger to her life of committing this sin pulls out her love, she wouldn't do anything to destroy that relationship with Hashem. She'd give up her life rather than destroying that relationship to Hashem. So the Rebbe says, what, Rebbe says, this is really foolish. The Rebbe says, what's going on here? What's going on is, we have a Ruachstus inside of us. A Ruachstus is like the personification of the Sahara, the voice of the Sahara. And the Ruach just works in us and gives us two fundamentally corrupt off messages. One, I don't really care about Hashem. Two, this isn't really going to hurt me anyway. So since I don't really care about Hashem and this isn't going to hurt me anyway, a person could even come to adultery. I don't really care about Hashem. So why do I have to be holy and pure and keep good moral sane laws? And this isn't going to hurt me. I'm not going to get caught. Hashem understands. I mean, everyone probably does anyway. So no matter what the Avera is, if the rules just works in you long enough, it convinces you that it's quite normal to do an act that's, that's completely off. The more power we give it, well, the more power it takes, and the more it's going to take over our brain and convince us, I don't care, and this isn't going to hurt me. And if those words don't resonate in your mind, just give them a little more window dressing. We all hear those two messages. One way or another, to what degree do we care, really? I'm so holy, I'm so firm, I'm so chassidish. And everyone does it. Hashem understands. Hashem doesn't expect more from me. I'm not holding there. Whatever the specific words are, those are the two basic messages that we're constantly hearing and that fool us and block our sensitivity to the danger of any Avera in terms of our relationship to Hashem. And the Rebbe says, but any of her can do it. In other words, this woman's so foolish. She's giving up her life not to commit a Vajazara because she's terrified of losing her relationship to Hashem. And she completely trashed her relationship to Hashem every minute she was doing a adultery. 
doing adultery is no worse than if I desire. And for, oh, said, well, yes, yeah, adultery is really bad. There is any of air is no worse. It's hard for us to imagine what the light of air, but I think probably what will come to our mind would be like um, Russian Hara, because for some reason we all just gave ourselves this massive hectic. So here we have an Avera Midaraisa called Lashon Hara, and we all have a Hetzer that is really okay. So Lashon Hara is separating you from Hashem exactly the same way a desire is. Exactly to the same degree. Absolutely no difference. So here's a person who, who would never commit a desire, and she could say Lashon Hara 20 times a day without even a qualm in her conscience. Why? The rabbi says, Ruach Ruach did what to you? It gave you a sense that there's a difference between my relationship to Hashem and Lashon Hara and my relationship to Hashem and Avedazara. And the Rebbe says, that's a big shtus. There is no difference in your relationship and how you're harming it when you would say Lashon Hara and when you would serve in Avedazara. It's exactly the same degree of disconnection. But the difference is by Avedazara because it's a direct attack to your belief in Hashem, the Chachma, your Nisham, is directly attacked. Therefore, she wakes up. Therefore, your love comes out. And therefore, you're like, never, never, never. And by Vajazara, by Lashon Hara, it's possible your Chachma is sleeping away. She's not awakened. And therefore, you're convinced that this isn't hurting you at all. But really, it is. The Rebbe says, how far do you go? Just imagine anything. Okay, good. You imagined it? You're worse than that. The classical example in the Gemara is the Yatush. Yatush Kidamcha. The Yatush is a blood-sucking parasite of a mosquito. It takes your blood. It takes your chayas. It gives you nothing in return. So our Chavim chose that, that which takes blood, chayas, and gives nothing in return, as the paradigm of Klippa. And Yatush Kidamcha. When a Yid is sinning, the Yatush has a closer relationship to Hashem than you do. Then the Rebbe connects this idea. I know I'm a little bit over time. I'm going to try to do this quickly. There's so many amazing concepts in this chapter. The Rebbe connects this idea to our relationship to animals, meaning it says that our fear and our dread should be on the animals. That an animal should never attack a man. But sometimes we see, unfortunately, they do. So what's going on? So the Rebbe explains there's three levels of relationship between an animal and a man, depending on how man is that man. If the person is a tzaddik, the mazel of the animal senses that and suffocates itself to the tzaddik. If the person is a human, the mazel of the animal senses that and fears the human. And if the person is an animal, it's an animal to an animal. The animal can attack. It's just an animal. Meaning, what the Rebbe is bringing out here is, that we could think, oh, well, hey, we're not the only thing that goes against Hashem's will. If a wild animal attacks man, that's also going against Hashem's will. So don't make me feel like I'm unique in all of creation. The Rebbe says no. Even a wild animal that's attacking a man, which seemingly is a clear demonstration of something besides you going against Hashem's will, is not. They're not going against Hashem's will because what's in front of them is an animal. Then the Rebbe discusses another concept to bring out the idea that there's no, there's nothing worse about Avodah than anything else. That's, that's the main theme, in case I'm not being clear because I'm trying to do a lot very quickly. 
What we keep coming back to is this idea, and the Rebbe will keep coming back to it for the next chapter as well, that there's no difference in terms of your separation from Hashem if you're over Avajazara, or if you say Lashon Hara, or if you're eating milkshakes when you're fleshics. It's all the same disconnect. So a person could have a taina, and a person could say, but that's not true. Because I learned in school that for three of Averos, you have to die of a desergular rice. So that proves they're worse. The Rebbe says, no, it doesn't. It's completely desergular sakasos. It has no rational explanation. And the Rebbe says, I'll prove it to you. How can I prove it to you? With a halacha. If a person is a known profaner of the Shabbos, you're not allowed to eat his shrita. I don't imagine you want to, and you're not allowed to. But if a person is known to commit znus, again, I don't think you'd want to eat his shrita, but halacha lamaisa, you're allowed to. So a person who's known to commit znus, you can eat his shrita. And a person who's known to, do, to profane the Shabbos, you can't. So what does that show you? Well, Shabbos is a lot worse, obviously. Yeah, but for, but for znus, you're supposed to die rather than do it. And for Shabbos, you don't have to die rather than do it. So which is worse? Uh, Zanus, adultery. Exactly. So if in this situation, Shabbos is worse, and if this situation, adultery is worse, what does that prove to you? That there's no logic. This is not a human, rational concept. Godly laws were not produced by a human brain. So therefore, we are not giving up our life for Avay Dezara because Avay Dezara is worse than Lashonara. We're giving up our life for Avay Dezara because Hashem said so. And therefore, if a person would say Lashon Hara, their disconnect to Hashem would be just like the disconnect of a person serving an idol. But the Rebbe says, after the Avera is over, there is the restoration of the relationship. And the restoration of the relationship happens on various levels, depending on the degree of the damage. There are many things in Avera damages, some things get restored immediately, like your Neshama's relationship. Some things get restored after a basic tshuva. And some things take tshuva meyahava or Mashiach. But the basic relationship, meaning the fact that I was thrown further from Hashem than anything in all of creation, that immediately, immediately, immediately gets restored. But during the time when it's not, there's no worse gullus. And the Rebbe ends with a mushal, and I will end with that point. The Rebbe says, if you could envision a king, and someone takes the head of the king and smashes it down into a toilet full of vomit, that's what's happening to your neshama, and that's what's happening to the abishter connected to your neshama during the time of the Avera. A horrific image, that's the point. The Rebbe wants you to feel how horrific, how truly traumatic an Avera is, because it is. And that should help us elicit the love we have for Hashem that says, I never want to trash my relationship that way. And Avera is not worth it. Any questions? Please unmute yourself, star six. Okay. I hope that means everything was perfectly clear. Keep learning Hasidus. It's the best thing we have.